Catholic Views. I'm your host, Renee Kranz. Today on the show, we have Bishop Donald DeGrood in the studio. He will talk about his first year as bishop and also what he is looking forward to in the coming years. So it was a good conversation. I know you'll enjoy it. Enjoy it. So stick around. First, we have Dr. B. Good morning, afternoon, evening, good night, Renee. Just covering my bases, depending on whatever, <laughs> folk, whatever you listen to this, folk watching, whatever. <laughs> I just covered all the bases. Hi, Renee. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. This Sunday, the gospel reading. Second Sunday of Lent, right? Yeah. Okay. And I was a little surprised. I didn't realize it came this quickly in Lent. Oh, this particular the second gospel? second Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> nice, Bill. Like Thank you. But a boom. <laughs> Do you remember when we couldn't hear Bill at all, Renee? I the do. Good old days. That was good times. He, no, I like Bill. I enjoyed on it. Bill's like the comic relief. The, the, <laughs> the gospel reading, <laughs> William. Uh, no, I was surprised how quickly this gospel reading came in the cycle of Lent because it's the Transfiguration. Oh, um, yeah. We always hear about. Um, the transfiguration. I think we always hear about it at some point during Lent. Yeah. Um, apparently, it, at least in the cycle we're in, Mark's Gospel, Year B, um, we it's it's the second Sunday of Lent. So, real quick on that, Year B. Do you know what that means? Ray? Yeah, there are. Is there three or four? Three. Three different, basically, rotations of the readings and the Gospels that we go through. Yep. So the church year at, at the first Sunday of Advent through. Um, so many of our Lord Jesus Christ King of the Universe right before Advent. Um, uh, year A has the, uh, its readings focused the gospel around Ma- Matthew. Mm-hmm. Year B, variety of other readings. First reading Psalm, second reading Mark with some John because okay. Mark's so short. And then year C is Luke um, around Luke. Again, the first reading Psalm, second reading always rotate. Well, we're in year B right now. So Mark, so we read about the transfiguration. So I just, I want to take us inside this narrative a little bit, because I think it's one of those things where we're somewhat familiar with it, but Mm -hmm. the whole thing about familiarity can breed contempt. Um, so I think complacency. Oh yeah, I know. know. Yeah. Heard this. Um, so I I just want to take it inside a little bit more. So Mark tells us that Jesus took Peter, James, and John and then led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. So we, we see, and this is, I'm sure people have heard this before. Yeah. I'm guessing many people have heard this before. He takes those three. So Mm -hmm. Jesus has all of his disciples. Then he's got the 12 and then he's got the three. And even within the three, then he kind of has one and one. Um, John is the beloved disciple. Mm -hmm. But Peter is the prince of the apostles. Right. He's he's the head of the church. But Jesus has uh, we we see like these different levels of disciples, not necessarily by holiness, but by their role and responsibility. Right. And we see that in the church today. Right. Right. So so Bishop DeGrood, uh, who you're interviewing for for this week, mm-hmm. he is the high priest of the diocese. He's the bishop right. of the diocese. Um, so he has a particular authority which is unique. No other man or woman in Eastern South Dakota has the authority that he has. Right. But there are other disciples of Jesus Christ before, besides Bishop, Bishop hopes there are other disciples besides Gosh, himself. Yeah. <laughs> um, he has some vision about that. I think. Yeah, he does. Um, so we, we see that. So, so here we see Jesus takes the three up 
uh, and a high mountain. So often in scripture, whenever there's talk about high mountain, pay attention. Right. Usually something. So it's Moses. Something big is happening. It's Moses. Um, all sorts of, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Yep. Jesus the goes crucifixion. up. The crucifixion. The uh, crucifixion. Jerusalem is on a mountain. Um, so we're told that they, they go up a high, a high mountain apart by themselves with Jesus, obviously. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no fuller on earth could bleach them. Then Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were conversing with Jesus. So Elijah and Moses. Mm-hmm. So first of all, it's showing they're alive. Right. <laughs> Just to right. be clear, or right. they're, they're they're still existing. I right. Mean, so, but why Moses and Elijah, do you think? Uh, I think the, those two are considered to be the greatest prophets, right? Uh, well, Elijah is a prophet. Is Moses considered a prophet? Well, Moses kind of is considered a prophet, but he's the great lawgiver. Right. Okay. Right. Yes. So it's through God that. Uh, that so the law and the so, prophets. So through Moses, that yeah, exactly the law and the prophets. Right. So Jesus oftentimes talks about how in the Gospels how the law and the prophets all foretold him, mm-hmm. spoke to him. Um, at the end of Luke's Gospel, with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, we read about how um, he uh, he showed them. Uh, all that was written in the law and the prophets in his about regard him, right. about him. So that's what we, so the fact that it's Moses and Elijah who appears, who appeared. So this really happened, right? This mm-hmm. is not just a store, a, a fictional right. story. This right. is not a parable. This really happened. These two great towering figures from the old Testament, um, appear with Jesus and they're talking with him. So it's showing right there how the old Testament was pointing to Jesus. Uh, But the transfiguration, he was transfigured before them and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no fuller on earth could bleach them. And then I just want to briefly skip to the very end just because we're running out of time. Um, Actually, it's not here. Uh, He's going to go on to talk about how he's going to be crucified. Mm -hmm. We read about this later. So Jesus gives these three a glimpse, frankly, of his divinity. Right. Right. They see the brilliance uh, of who he really is as God himself. And then he talks about the crucifixion to remember it, that it's him. Oh, thanks, Dr. B. You bet. All right, today on the show, I have with me in the studio, Bishop Donald DeGrood, Bishop of the Diocese of Sioux Falls. He is going to talk to us today about his first year as bishop and what he is looking forward to in the future years. Welcome, Bishop. Hey, thanks a lot. It's a privilege to be with you. Yeah, how you doing? I'm doing great. Good. Riding the wave of grace today? Well, I'm trying. <laughs> Riding the wave of grace is just trying to stay in the grace of God, stay focused on Him, and when I do, life is great. That's, that's the best we can do, right? It is. It <laughs> All is. right. So we're going to talk a little bit about your first year. It's been an interesting year. Indeed. Things you probably never could have ever foreseen. True. So um, was the first year anything like you thought it would be? You know, it also uh, caught me off guard, right? So the mm-hmm. whole call. So it wasn't like I was anticipating anything, <laughs> right. Right? right? So first of all, it's a pretty clueless entry in the sense of uh, surprise coming in to receiving the call and then to come as, as quickly as it came. Um, what I would say is it's been just an amazing, I mean, I didn't expect so many things, certainly didn't expect mm-hmm. COVID, you know, the, yeah. the things with racial tensions and the other things that we in our country and in our world have experienced and uh, even within our own state, uh, certainly did not anticipate those. Right. Um, I don't so, think anyone could have. Oh gosh. Yeah. 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 So that part was crazy, but, uh, the real key for me is just keep my eyes focused on the Lord and yeah. we find our way through these things. Yeah. So what's been the biggest challenge so far, do you think? 
You know, I think the biggest challenge for me uh, early on was when I first came and uh, shortly after I got here, COVID kicks in. And mm-hmm. so it's like everything kind of shuts down and there's more isolating and, res- you know, restrictions and getting around. So I was looking forward to just getting out, meeting yeah. people and doing lots of stuff. Because uh, you did that initially, like, I like did that for, for like, like a week, week or so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had, I had a week out, out getting out to the parishes, which I wanted to do. Yep. So I had about a week uh, journey, but then, you know, and looking forward to obviously much more, uh, but COVID changed that. Yeah. And I was very intentional about not wanting to get out, of, you know, amongst the people if they wanted to come, but it'd be a time when COVID was on. So I said, you know, I think I'm just supposed to focus more interiorly in my own right. spiritual relationship with the Lord, adjusting to what he's calling me to, my own heart, getting to know the diocese just from other ways, which mm-hmm. has been great. I've yeah. learned a lot this year. Yeah. And it gave you time to kind of settle in maybe. It did. Definitely. Which you, well, you would have, you would have settled in just in a, a lot crazier way, maybe. A very different <laughs> With a lot way. Of traveling, yes. A lot more traveling. What's been the biggest blessing? You know, I'd, I'd say the two blessings that for me have been uh, personally, and then I'll share maybe broader sure. for me, two things. One is just the personal relationship with God has really grown oh, in wow. a beautiful okay. way. So, when one is ordained a bishop, just like being ordained uh, a, a deacon, a priest, there's there's a radical change that happens interiorly. They call it an ontological change. This means the soul is configured to God in a different way. Okay. Well, you've never experienced it before. I have no clue. How do I do this? Right? How What's does that this work? Like? What's it going to feel <laughs> yeah. like? How how do I live? How do I act? You know, and all the things that are so different externally. So it really allowed me time and the Lord was working on my heart to draw me even closer and closer to him, to be more and more focused on him. Mm -hmm. So when I would do what I would do, it's more motivated by even greater and more spiritual power behind it. So it's that much more clear. Oh, this is of God. This is what he wants. And and for example, incredible spiritual insights I'd be given. Uh, Certainly just the personal relationship with God grew so much but also clarity in what to do, what needs to be done, and what are next steps, and those kinds of things. So just a lot of grace. So, so it's the not first necessarily is, outward differences, but inward differences. This first part is interiorly. Okay. Yeah, definitely interiorly. So is my own interior understanding what it means to be a bishop, relating to God as a bishop and receiving what he wants, and then learning how to... Uh, then it would move outwardly and making decisions on various things that right. I would need to make decisions right. on this past year. That's the first one. The second one I'd say where there was a lot of learning for me was just uh, kind of more what I would call the administrative ends of the Mm -hmm. role. So like, okay, where's the people and the diocese getting to know some of the clergy and and some of the religious and the parishes that I could get out to, like for confirmations Mm -hmm. that were scheduled, those kinds of things. Um, so it did, it was like, it was like a download. This last year has been like a big administrative download. Yeah. What's going on? What's the history with anything that, you know, who are these people you're working with here? Who do I work with? <laughs> yes. Like the crazy communications yes. person and uh, yes, all those kinds of things. So yeah. it's, it's been a good learning experience in that regard. Yeah. So have there been times when you've really depended on God to prop you up? while you've been doing this work? Yeah, great question. I would say yes, definitely. Um, I mean, there were times where there would be things so far beyond me, I wouldn't know what to do. And I knew that I can take as much human information. So say it's COVID, Mm -hmm. right? And okay, I'll watch the data, find people that know how to watch, you know, what's really going on. Mm -hmm. Give me the data so I can make a, have a human uh, data to work with, facts, if you will, to kind of work with. But then I need to take it prayer, for example, as it relates to the, do I lift the dispensation right. or not? And right. so having to make those things for mass. And 
So that's where I needed to rely upon the Lord to prop me up and to say, no, I'm inspired right now that I'm supposed to put that, that people are supposed to be coming back to mass unless right. they're in those, yep. uh, you know, underlying condition categories mm-hmm. or tending to those people kind of things. Um, so, but that, that was, I needed to be propped up there and I needed because yeah. not everybody agreed with that judgment as mm-hmm. an example. And I would need God's grace to. Yep. I was going to say, I assume you got some special graces I at did. those points. There's no question mm-hmm. in the decision and even after that, and just no, no, this is, this is of the Lord. This is what the Lord's prompting within my heart that I'm to do. Right. Right. Has there been a big surprise yet? Oh, you know, I think the thing I'd probably say most surprised is just how many great things are already in place here oh, good. in this diocese. And I often describe it as the the wholesomeness of the people mm-hmm. that I've been, as I get around to different places, there's so many good things in place. And I just didn't know there was that degree of it left. And granted, <laughs> I'm, I'm biased, I realize, because I've come from some of the metro, right. more metro area assignments, and it's just a different sort yeah. of experience. Yeah. So. It's been that's been probably one of the most exciting and awesome parts of it all. That's really great. So, coming off of that, have the people of the diocese made you feel welcome? Oh, incredibly welcomed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How I have mean, they helped you through all of this? You know, lots of different ways. Uh, certainly, people uh, writing notes mm-hmm. uh, or sending messages. We're praying for you. Mm-hmm. You know, words of gratitude. Thanks for you know whatever uh, opening the churches back up so right. we can pray. Thanks for this, that, or the other thing. So I see a lot of grat. I receive gratitude in a beautiful way from the good people. Uh, just the ordinariness of the people and their mm-hmm. and their willingness to engage and interest to get to know me and and my interest to get to know people. Right. So it's been a, uh, that's, I would say, is just so much more than I expected. Just the goodness and wholesomeness that I see in so many people in our diocese. That's good. That's been awesome. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you've been in South Dakota for a year. Yes. You've experienced a South Dakota winter. Yes. It's not a lot different from Minnesota. Not a lot different, but But there's a little more wind, maybe. There's a lot more wind (laughs) from what I remember. A lot more wind. Uh, But no, I I think you're right. I mean, it's actually, as I understand, probably what, eight degrees on average uh, warmer than in Minnesota, at least where I was. At least down here. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you were up north a little more, if I was up further north, you would experience a whole different thing. (laughs) Yes. I'd be more on the same level. That's true. Yes. Very much. And you had an experience of getting lost in South Dakota. I got lost in a snowstorm. Yes. (laughs) So I've I've been on some slippery roads when they were icy and slushy. You've gotten the full uh, South Dakota experience, I think, so far. Well, well, I'm thinking I have, but you know, there's always more surprises ahead. That's, That's very true. Always more. How has the adjustment been with you and your family? Has that oh, been good okay? Question. Yeah, you know it has. You know, it's uh, keep in mind. You know, we're just a farm family, yeah. so we're very common, ordinary folks. That's who I am. Uh, and so this whole thing was like such a big surprise, and mm-hmm. this is obviously a big honor to you know be as a family through this together. Like for example, the ordination and all right. of that. Uh, they've been just super supportive. I mean, Good. we've been having a blast and a half. They're teasing the heck out of me. Like, oh yeah, you got people to do all your work for you now. And oh yeah, you know, so they're- If only they knew how many meetings you, you go to. Yeah, well, they wouldn't listen to you anyways. Those <laughs> brothers true. of mine, they would say, no, 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 we don't believe that. He's laying as a recliner all oh, day. Oh and- <laughs> yeah. So they, yep, I got, well, then of course they, you know, they come visit. And yep. so, yeah, it's been wonderful. Yep. And you've been it's able been to visit beautiful. your mother once or twice, I believe, right? If I A few remember times. Right. Yeah, good. Yes. And my good. family's been gracious about bringing her down. So good. we've had some time and that's been good for mom and I too. Yeah. I needed that and I, I think it was good for her. She and, probably uh, needs it. 
Yeah. I she think misses her son, right? Well, I hope At so. Least <laughs> yeah, she. I, I think that's fair I'm to sure. say. That is fair to say. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you just joined us, we're talking to Bishop Donald DeGrude today uh, about his first year as bishop. We're going to talk a little bit about um, what do you see coming coming forward here as we move along. So what are you looking forward to in the coming years? I mean, there's obviously a lot that can happen. You, you should be here a good, what, 20 years? God willing, yes. yes. <laughs> That's the goal. That's right. So what do you see coming? What are your hopes? Yeah, you know, I'm so grateful to God because pretty early on, a few months in, I'd say maybe three months, I don't remember exactly, I had a very particular grace and prayer of what the Lord wanted for the diocese. Mm-hmm. Um, and I experienced that when I was a pastor in different parishes. At right. some point, I would get a really clear sense of spiritual grace that, oh, this is what God wants. So that's not the first time that's happened to you. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, it's happened okay. each time I've been a pastor. Okay. So in the three For each parishes, place you've been. Okay. each of the three parishes that I was pastor in, I would have a similar sort of experience. Okay. Uh, this one just came really early. And so it really caught me off guard uh, because I didn't know that much right. about the diocese, right. but it became very clear very quickly. I had uh, folks here help kind of put wording to it, mm-hmm. but it was really to help establish a diocesan vision. Yep. So that we're, it's very clear, where are we going? What are we trying to accomplish, right? What's the purpose, if you will, as a diocese? And it was just very, very clear, lifelong Catholic missionary discipleship through God's love. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? Well, it means lifelong, we're always should be learning more about the Lord. Right. And that we should always be sharing what we learn with others, especially mm-hmm. those who are maybe younger. So like if you have a, if you're in high school, how can we help the junior high kids right. or the you know grade school kids learn about God? And how can I be a good witness, right? Mm-hmm. Those kinds of things. Uh, so lifelong Catholic, meaning we're straight in line with Catholic teaching. We just live our faith in its fullness and because that's where what God's revealed and we and we live it fully. It's a wonderfully full and free life. Yes, yeah. So lifelong Catholic missionary, meaning we go out, right? Mm-hmm. So Jesus was very clear when he sent his uh, apostles out, you know, uh, go therefore and baptize them, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. right? Uh, to all nations. So right. he was very clear in his command that we're to go out. So that's been very clear that we just, it's, faith isn't just for us and my personal relationship with God mm-hmm. and then that's it. Mm-hmm. It's to go out. It's to share the good news. We share it together. Right. It's like a, a shared uh, gift mm-hmm. that the Lord has mm-hmm. given to us. So lifelong Catholic missionary discipleship. Why? So discipleship is just someone who follows the Lord, follows right. Jesus, just like the apostles. We use that witness. What did they do? When they encountered Jesus in a very real way, they dropped their nets. Mm-hmm. Those were fishermen and they followed Jesus immediately. Right. Right. So the call to be a disciple, to follow wherever he uh, calls us, hence how I landed here. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, why through God's love? Because he, our hearts are only going to be happy in the fulfillment of great and deep relationship. And the perfect relationship is divine love. Right. Divine love seeks the good of the other. And so the more we're able to receive God's love, literally what happens to us interiorly, we lose the focus on ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it's not, what can I get? What do I want? We actually lose that. And we actually love, if you will, to spend our time, our energy looking outward, growing the friendship with God. How can I help share that with others? And it's just awesome. Yep. The interior experience is so radically different. Right. And so any disappointments or discouragements, things we don't like about ourselves or somebody else or what's going on in the church or the world or whatever else, we just rise above that with the grace of God mm-hmm. because God has a bigger plan. We can't see it. We don't know it. But we can access the spiritual gifts from God, yep. like the gifts of the Holy Spirit, for example, that enable us to see, understand, have courage to do things, whatever particular gift we need. Uh, and of course, St. Paul says the greatest of all of all the gifts is love, mm-hmm. divine right. love. Right. So we're we're 
kind of in, you talk about the missionary part of it. We're in more of an apostolic time than a Christendom time. And if you don't, audience, if you don't know what that means, pick up the book the bishop has has recommended to all of us. Uh, what is it? From Christendom to Apostolic Mission, right? Correct. Is is? Okay. Very good book. Really helps us understand where we are as a society, as a world, uh, especially in relation to our Catholic faith. Um, so when we're moving into that apostolic time, this is a really important time to become missionary disciples. Yes. Because otherwise we're we're leaving too much behind. Yes. Like we're just not, we're not doing, the, we're not playing the part we're supposed to play. Yeah, yeah. Or it might we might want to just kind of like, uh, I love the way Father Scott Trainer describes, kind of like just going the current, right? right? It's like going down a creek and society is just going very fast on a particular way of thinking, right. very secular. Which isn't, which actually pulls us away from the church. It pulls us yeah. away from yeah. what's really going to make us happy because it gets us distracted with things that are pleasurable, mm-hmm. what we want, do whatever, you know, rather than, well, what has God planned for us? Mm-hmm. And where am I going to be happy? So, yeah, the whole point of, you know, Christendom, meaning a society, uh, Christendom culture is a, is a culture that is shaped by Christian values. Yeah. And so it's laws, for example, and how things operate in in, in business, government, whatever, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. It's all very much shaped by what God's Our revealed. schools and, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not That's, the reality we're yeah. living in today. And even the ones we have in place, uh, say even in their more secular uh, institutions, even those are being called into question. Right. And it's becoming more and more an anti-Christian uh, uh, culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, or even faith-based culture. Right. It's becoming kind of, well, no, atheist or don't believe in God at all, or I have I don't know for sure, right? Mm-hmm. So the whole point of the apostolic uh, age was really when the apostles were, it was a pagan culture. Mm-hmm. And these Christians, God lit the fire in them, and they went out, and people seen, wow, there's something about these Christians, and what is it? Yeah. It was God within them, and God was being released. So they had to go into lots of conflict, lots of challenge. And we know mm-hmm. that a lot of the early Christians were martyred, right. right? I mean, that's but that's how convicted they were by their faith. Right. Right. When you live in a, a Christendom culture, you can become very complacent. Well, yep. just take it for granted. It's very whatever comfy. else. It's very comfy. <laughs> Versus when you have to like, no, I need to fight for something, fight in a good way. I want to do what's right. Mm-hmm. And I want to have an impact on our world. And I want good things for everybody in the future. Right. And we know so many good things that have come from the Christian culture and the Catholic culture, uh, from our faith, like all the apostolic works we do, you know, the caring for the poor and so many good things. Uh, but much of that is now being uh, attacked, mm-hmm. you know, our core beliefs who we believe uh, as, as Catholics. So, that's why the, the, the I, sus, I suspect as I think back, why the Lord would have made that so clear to me mm-hmm. in the vision. Early, yeah. Early on, yep. and uh, and we really need to step into this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be a challenge. It will be. For all of us, but uh, I think if you get in Jesus' wagon. <laughs> I like that, can, get in Jesus' you wagon. That. You actually said that some, some time ago. We all need, get in Jesus' wagon. Ah, and well, don't even remember. What that, else did I you? say that I should probably be made aware? Of? <laughs> At least I remembered it. <laughs> well, but it must be the Holy Spirit because I have no recollection of that one. But okay. Um, so, do you are there some things you hope will develop from this vision in the next year or so? I know Lumen Christie is a great example of some new things that are developing. Uh, there's a lot of new things coming out of discipleship and evangelization, but 
Catholic Family Services, for instance, too. Yeah. So is there anything in particular that you're hoping to see happen real soon? Yeah, you know, I think the main thing for me, as I've shared with staff and, and hope it continues to broaden out as, as we communicate it more, more and more to the diocese, is what is the diocesan vision? What does that look like in a practical way? Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's in my own, uh, let's say I'm a business person or I'm in healthcare or I'm in education yep. or I'm in whatever, whatever I'm in, whatever kind of employment, whatever my vocation is, what does that look like in my life? Yeah. And, and how do I, first of all, understand it? And then how do I ask God for the graces to really live the faith vibrantly? Right. To live in the Jesus wagon, as you say, yeah. right? To stay in the Jesus wagon. <laughs> uh, but I think to your point on, and you know, the whole thing on discipleship and evangelization, I've asked our departments, all of our departments in the chancery to really step back and look at the vision and say, what, do you do, what are we doing and why are we doing it? Mm-hmm. And does it tie into the vision? So it's all very, very clear. We're very focused in what we do. Yep. Uh, because there's many, many, many different ways, many different oh. things people could be doing. Yeah. But if we all get united and we're going the same direction and we really understand the culture that we're faced with and the impact the culture is having on the world and how it's imposing in certain ways more and more, even on our Catholic beliefs. So things like religious liberty, mm-hmm. sanctity of life, yep. protection of conscience, um, those sorts of things are critically important for us in the future. And so... Uh, part of part of what I'm hoping for and seeing, for example, we had a team of uh, uh, from NET, the mm-hmm. National Evangelization Team, come in, and they've been in all but 18 of our parishes right. of the 100 and, uh, 112, I think, parishes. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that's amazing, yes. right? So they're young people witnessing what it looks like mm-hmm. to go out and live your faith. So my hope is that will just start to more. It's like it's like uh, fanning the flames, yeah. right? We're going to see where the Holy Spirit rises up. And when people respond, amazing things happen. And we're seeing that in different pockets of the diocese, different parishes or institutions. And so it's really just flaming the fire, the the coals that are there. Let's stir them up Mm -hmm. in a sense. Let the Holy Spirit work within them. So the fire of God's love and all good things can be spread throughout the diocese and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a a great vision and and it's exciting to see the new things happening. So the last question I have for you. Uh Uh-oh. This is this is the one I told you you should be nervous about. Okay, bring it on. <laughs> okay, you and your miter don't always get along. No, that thing's have crooked, you, <laughs> and that's uh, the other day. Have you day, figured my, it out yet? No, heck no. The flap was over the <laughs> top the other you day. Really I was struggled. like, what? What? Well, that thing stuck up on top. Yeah, okay. so I have much more practice to do. So now, I, as I guess, uh, hopefully, I've moved beyond the baby stage, and that'll be a toddler thing for me to work on as a bishop. If it's stuck up there again, should someone come up behind you and fix it? Well, that or would do we be most it? kindly. Okay. That would be most kindly. To, I think no one knows what to do. do well, we help probably. Him? Do we let it be? Just pray for the poor bishop. He needs okay. so much help. All right. I really appreciate you coming in Absolutely. today and letting us know how things are going. So before we go, we please give us all a blessing. Absolutely. Right. In the name of the Father, the Son, of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, ask for the outpouring of your grace into all of our hearts on the eastern side of South Dakota here and to any and all who will hear that they can receive the beautiful gift of your love for them, individual, personal love for them. Receive it deeply and allow it to fill their hearts to such a point that all of us can lose the focus on ourselves and share the good news of Christ in every encounter we have. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit descend upon all of you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bishop, for being You're here. You're welcome. It's been a all gift. Right. Good. All right. Next week, we will have Jermaine Bergwald. Yes, the better half of Dr. Chris Bergwald in the studio to talk about the domestic church and uh, raising a family in a secular culture. 
So it should be a really good conversation. She's a wonderful woman. So I hope you'll join us for that. So that is it for us today. Join us again next week for more Catholic Views. Thank you.